This is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. Absolutely fantastic! Hello and welcome to Box to Box, the show that is everything football on Macquarie Radio, NTS News Talk Sport. You're with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. First edition news with Mark Van Aken in a minute. And while we're in the eye of a socceroo storm, with the opening Honduras World Cup qualifier just over two weeks away. Our man Michael Edgley, in his alter ego as director of the Green and Gold Army, has been doing a stack of groundwork on sending football fans to the Central American country for the critical away World Cup tie. So to tell you all about what it's going to be like, as well as the Socceroos, and what fans can expect, we're going to have a chat to open the show with the Green and Gold Army's chief tour leader, Kevin Pollard. We've spoken to Kevin before from Iran and Russia and a few other places, so he's uh, he's, he's just a wealth of knowledge, Kevin, and, uh, and you're going to be really... Uh, uh, well educated by the time you finish listening to him. And then after that, we're going to talk to ESPN Asia's Scott McIntyre to give us some perspective on the rumoured contract offer from China for Ange Postacoglu. Is it true? We're going to find out with Scott. And with our man Dean Hennessy taking a little break from the show on club duties, we'll wrap up the first hour, as we always do, with a preview of round three of the A-League with Mark Van Aken. And uh, that will be interesting, to say the least, because Mark's voice is a little bit scratchy, as you'll find out in a minute. In the second <laughs> hour, of course, we'll kick off with second edition news. Then a special feature in that very second hour with the Leicester Mercury's chief football writer Rob Tanner. He's not only going to talk to us about the sacking of Craig Shakespeare, but with Dean Absent, he's also going to fill the chair and preview this weekend's action in Europe and take a look at the Champions League results of the week before we wrap it up with stoppage time. You have been a busy beaver. Well, what's a what's a local animal in Honduras? Um, is it like a river rat or something like no, that? No, I think it's probably the gangs. But um, uh, look, you know, it's an interesting it's an interesting place, uh, San Pedro de Sula. Can't wait for a little discussion with Kevin. Let's not talk too much about it now because we'll go into great detail with Kevin. But it is a really interesting uh, destination for the Socceroos. It's going to be hot. It's going to be humid. Uh, it's going to be an intense atmosphere. Great experience for travelling fans. Um, a lot's gone into it. Obviously, security is paramount. Uh, the mm. Australian government, uh, through its Department of Foreign Affairs, the trade have been a great support, has have the FFA. Uh, we're looking forward to that, but we'll talk to Kevin in a moment. But um, importantly, it's been a big week in Brisbane Raw because mm. Mark Kingsman, who uh, at the time was championed uh, when, he, when he came in to, to be the CEO, was going to be the person that was going to you know, put a calming influence and a, and a steady rule mm, over mm. an organisation that had its ups and downs, but it continues to be a shock. And uh, there must be great worries at the FFA about the future of Brisbane again, as the backeries have, have done away with their with their CEO. And he, there was reports, Mark, and we should welcome Mark Van Aken uh, back to the hi, show. Hi. Um, Mark, there was reports that uh, Mark Kingsman, in fact, had uh, injected some of his own funds to help uh, a cash flow shortage. Um, which I must admit I find surprising at this time of the year because that's when you're selling. Well, it's pretty funny because you had Daniel Cobb, who was in there, is the CEO slash chairman before him, put his own money in, Mm. and he was pushed aside and and chastised. Then Mm. Kingsman came in. He was supposed to be the the all-encompassing elixir to all that ills the club. Mm. And to be honest, he was probably a pretty welcoming you know, loved force in the club, and yet he walks out saying he's going to sue the club for three hundred grand. He put three hundred thousand dollars, three hundred thousand dollars of his own money in. Mm. So it's it's really weird because it's now Cobb, you know, Kingsman, 
And the the funniest thing, Rob, mm. David Puray was mm. there before. Now, yeah. again, David was back, a loved yeah. CEO of the club. Now he's mm. back as a chairman, and they need him there, their backeries, because they need an Australian-based person to satisfy Australian law. So it's it's such a merry-go-round. And talking mm. to a lot of journos, but also fans up in Brisbane in the last 24 hours, they don't know what's going on, and they're mm. really frustrated. Well, there must be nervous times for the FFA with Brisbane. It must be really nervous times. But, Mark, you must have some other news. What's going on? I do. Now, so Tom Smithies reported in the Daily Telegraph and the News Corp media yesterday that Ange, or in fact probably on Wednesday, that Ange has been linked to Shang, uh, Shanghai Shenhua, one of mm. the biggest clubs in Asia, for a $4 million deal over three years. Mm. So basically a $12 million yeah, deal. We're going to get stuck into that and with Scott Mack and yeah, Scotty Mack will talk about it. A lot of people are beginning to stuck in the Ange. I mean, again, I, I know we're all commercial people around this table. Mm. I've got to say, at at first glance, I was having go on Ange, but if, if, big IF, if mm. this is indeed true, Hmm. And who knows if it is, and that'll transpire. Can you begrudge? So if it's true, can you begrudge Ange hmm. giving up yeah, eight, nine hundred grand a year yeah, with the Socceroos yeah, no, no, to I take mean, four million bucks yeah, a year in Shanghai? I, I, I don't he's think he's not coaching some. Sorry, yeah. sorry, Rob. He's not coaching some farm club. He's coaching yeah. one of the biggest clubs hmm. in one of the most global, yeah. uh, amazing cities yeah. in the world. Yeah. Like, no, 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 nobody's begrudging anything it's just the way that it's being done at the moment mm. the the leaking of the stories um i, I listened to uh, or watched the offsiders on sunday on the abc you know a, a really credible sports television program and lisa alexander the the coach of the australian diamonds netball team um now Ange postacoglu is a fellow panelist on that program and um and she uh, even had a crack and referred to to his behaviour as selfish. Now, when you've got a fellow national coach on a on a national program making those comments, I think it suggests that that's the prevailing view. Uh, so I think that's more the point, Mark, rather than the potential um, of the big money. Well, I'm going to be the calming influence here around the table and say that, that <laughs> there's been speculation about the future of coaches, whether they're soccerers coaches or whether they're club coaches mm. or whether they're international coaches around the world consistently. Mm. Um, so we just have to wait and see. He's got a job and his job is to get to clear it up, away mate. goals. I know. He probably should clear it up, but does he have Not to? Not probably. He sh- yes, he does have to, Mike. Well, I, I think... He does have to and so does the FFA. But mm. maybe, maybe... The players don't know. We don't know. Mark, We're media. The Punters don't know. No, yeah. Come Mark, on. No, but not. just maybe, Mark, he yeah. thinks that if he, he enters into that realm, he might make things worse. Well, guess what, guys? It's all duck or no dinner with this one. It's it either going to be all... <laughs> so, all right, well, that's enough. We're going to talk about that more. Give us a, another little nugget well, before we... Well, I've got we... one for you. The Westfield Matildas, uh, or we should say the Matildas and superstar attacker Sam Kerr mm-hmm. continued to uh, yeah. just clean up in all the awards. Uh, the Matildas, who are ranked sixth in the world after winning the Tournament of Nations in the United States in July, have uh, cleaned up and been named the Team of the Year at uh, the Women's That's Health awesome, Awards. Isn't it? it is very, very good. And congratulations That's to the Matildas. Uh, we should uh, we should give them uh, homage where it's due. And mm-hmm. Sam Kerr and her team, uh, awesome job. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's incredible. Uh, if um, if there is one uh, national sporting side that uh, is getting all the credit that it deserves. It's the Matildas, yeah. Yeah, no, no, it's brilliant stuff, isn't it? Uh, so, um, yeah, Sam Kerr, uh, maybe we should send her to Honduras to get the job done. <laughs> I think the boys can do the job in Honduras. Yeah. I think we might need Sam, maybe for the 
home league. Okay, all right. Stick around because after the break, we're going to talk to the Green and Gold Army's Kevin Pollard. We're going to find out what it's like in Honduras, what can be expected by the Socceroos and fans alike. It's going to be interesting times, but uh, both Michael in his role as director of the Green and Gold Army and Kevin Pollard as two-letter have done a stack of homework. So stick around and find out all about it next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport on digital radio, streaming on the World Wide Web, and of course our podcast on boxtoboxnts.com.au, where you can hear all 101 episodes of this show. Now, the topic on everyone's lips uh, in this country, football-wise, in the past week has been Honduras. What is going to happen when the Socceroos get there? Um, what it's going to be like on the ground? And uh, and how uh, we are going to be welcomed uh, now, Michael. We don't um, usually spend a lot of time on uh, on green and gold army activity because uh, you know we do uh, uh, chat about it when uh, it's relevant. But because this is a particular uh, uh, piece of uh, football information that we've got a you know a little bit of an advantage on, given all the homework that you've done uh, in the past week and a half on Honduras, um, you personally uh, can tell us a lot. About it, as can, can your uh, your erst, well, your tool leader uh, Kevin Pollard is on the line right now. Absolutely, Rob. I mean, what's we'll, we'll say to hi, Kevin, uh, in a moment. But obviously, uh, we don't talk about it much. But the Green and Gold Army, which is a, p- a program partner in Box the Box, we obviously take uh, large tour groups away uh, to wherever the Socceroos play. And one of our tour leaders is Kevin Pollard, who has taken groups to uh, Japan. He's taken groups to. Uh, Iran to, to see uh, our match against Iraq, and Kevin is going to go to Honduras. Now, if you had said to me, San Pedro Sula, about seven or eight weeks ago, I would have said, uh, what? But uh, in the last uh, sort of four to five weeks, Kevin and I have become very familiar with the challenges in Honduras. So we, let's just welcome Kevin Pollard to Box to Box. G'day, Kev. G'day, uh, guys. It's great to be with you. And now you and I are going to have a bit of a chat. Now, we've spoken to each other about 3,000 times in the last month as we've, we've <laughs> as we've prepared for uh, the obvious uh, difficulties that face not only the Socceroos but travelling fans to Honduras. Um, there's been a lot in the media, Kev, hasn't there, about uh, Honduras, and, and we can't sugarcoat it. Uh, it is uh, a dangerous place. There's been some uh, fairly violent uh, elections of recent times. Um, uh, but in your words, Kev, um, because we've been working on this together, um, how would you describe Honduras as a destination? Well, it's not a popular place for travellers. A lot of backpackers go through there. I went through there years ago, and I know maybe 30, 40 people that have travelled through there. It's um, it, it's pretty well uh, travelled, has been for 30, 40 years. So when travellers go through Honduras, they might see a couple of dodgy things going on in bus stations on the outskirts of town or in you know remote areas. But in central uh, San Pedro de Sula, which is the richest uh, city in the country, you don't see any crime. All the crime's out on the uh, outskirts, far away from the city centre. And uh, you don't really notice it when you're in the city. Two-thirds of the wealth of, uh, and the GDP of the country is uh, generated in one city, San Pedro de Sula. So very wealthy. And where we are staying in the city centre is um, full of shopping malls, classy restaurants, nightclubs, bars, hotels where we're staying. The hotel where we're staying is where all the, uh, the teams have stayed over the years. The Canadian team, Mexico, USA, Costa Rica over the years, and they've had no issues uh, even going back to the 90s. So it's... Safe and secure, and um, 
but yeah, not a popular destination for people, but it's um, it's an exotic uh, Central American country, fascinating markets and great uh, sites and cities. So we'll uh, have an enjoyable time there. And obviously security is a big issue, uh, not only for travelling fans, but for the Socceroos. As we uh, un, uh, as we did our research and we started to uncover the significance of San Pedro de Sula and importantly, um, how much the Hondurans love their football team. It is really uh, the hottest ticket in town and they have a very uh, over-the-top emotional way of supporting the team. We can expect probably... Uh, the most hostile atmosphere that uh, a Socceroos team has probably ever been pl- ever played in uh, since the faded days back in uh, Uruguay. Yeah, well, it's I've, I've had a good look at a lot of the videos over the uh, last couple of weeks of all the qualifiers, and yes, they do dress up in the uh, they're called Bicola, the the blue and the white, the two colours, and they do have those crazy masks on that's been all through the media in Australia over the last couple of. Uh, uh, weeks, but there's only you know a couple of a hundred that uh, dress up and look like you know sort of those characters from the Day of the Dead, that kind of thing. But yeah. not there's <laughs> they look pretty good, those guys, don't they? <laughs> yeah, you, you, they, they, they they have the Day of the Dead in uh, various uh, places through Central America, and they celebrate uh, people who passed away and have uh, crazy festivities. But um, thirty-eight thousand people the stadium holds, and thirty-seven thousand will be uh, well Australians and. Uh, Hondurans having a great time, and there'll be a few uh, crazies uh, pumping up the crowd, but uh, they're fascinating uh, people, the Central Americans, very passionate, as you know, in Mexico and Costa Rica, Panama, and they've been to, what, three World Cups coming from others, so they'll be supporting their team, but I, I can't see there being any issues. Out the front of the stadium, I did thorough research into all the games that have been played in San Pedro de Sol. That's about 80% of all the qualifiers over the last sort of 25 years, and there's been no problem at all with the fans, with the teams. None of these, you know, yes, in the 90s, they had a few issues with, uh, you know, you know, balloons of urine being thrown at the crowd and, 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 and players and stuff like that. But uh, in terms of security for the fans and the, and the players, no problem at all. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to Kevin Pollard from the Green and Gold Army, who's heading over to Honduras to take a tour of Green and Gold Army football fans. Now, um, Kevin, we did have Alex Tobin on the program last week, who uh, has had some experience um, in heading to uh, uh, some fairly uh, difficult destinations in the in the real difficult days and and he was confident as you said um, that um, that FIFA you know they've been criticized um, from pillar to post on a stack of things and justifiably so but on on uh, team safety and uh, and crowd safety uh, they they do need to be uh, given credit where it's due and uh, and Alex Tobin was you know confident in the same way that you were that barring unex- unexpected catastrophes which uh, you know we know in this modern world we live in can happen that um, that it's not in the interests of Honda or uh, their, their, their fans to, uh, to do anything particularly ridiculous. So uh, if, um, if the Socceroos are going to get a harsh welcome, it won't be that old school style welcome uh, we were talking about in Uruguay. So, you know, w- what sort of uh, uh, prep do you uh, believe has led uh, the FFA to, to go to Honduras? I mean, are they uh, clearly across the same, well, they would be across the same information as you are that, that suggests that it's, uh, it's safe to go there four days early? Well, that's right. Mostly it was the weather um, because it's 34, 90% humidity mm. and pouring with rain. So the monsoon at the moment, remember the Hurricane Mitch almost destroyed the town, of, uh, sorry, the city about 20 years ago, uh, destroyed 70% of the country's infrastructure and 60% of the crops and killed 15,000 people. That's really the worst time of the year monsoon-wise, weather-wise and humidity uh, early November, late October. 
So it's more to acclimatise with the weather. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of secure uh, um, training venues for the uh, for the team. Um, you know, it, it's Miami was another um, uh, option, but that is nowhere near as humid as it is in uh, San Pedro de Sula. So that's why they chose uh, San Pedro de Sula in the end. Um, hotels are secure. Mark's the lead of the FFA security guys. Dealt with him over the years and met him a few times and spoke to him recently. He is still there now. He's been over there for a week and he's preparing the security detail, uh, getting from the hotel to the stadium and then to the airport. Um, and he's completely confident that uh, everything will run smoothly. I know the guys are heading over on Saturday. Uh, the team's getting there very, very early, so they're going to be there five days early, and the players will arrive on Monday, uh, well, sort of Tuesday and Wednesday, so they'll have a couple of days to prepare, which is normal. So security, no problem at all. The FFA and FIFA and the Australian government as well have been very helpful. Based in Mexico City, they're offering consular support to the Australians that are heading over there. Uh, and um, yeah, everything will be safe and secure on the day. Now, Kev, uh, the, the people who want to um, uh, go on this adventure, and it is an adventure, it'll be a fantastic experience to uh, see the Socceroos play in such a massive game, uh, in such a, a magnificent atmosphere. Uh, there is a bit of a trek to get there. Obviously, Central America, it's not uh, uh, it's not the, the quickest route, but uh, we'll be flying through uh, America, then into San Pedro de Sula via El Salvador. Um, uh, but there is a special surprise because we uh, we haven't had a confirm, Rob. We're going to break a bit of news here, but we are in some uh, final negotiations with the FFA to bring our tour guests back with the team on the charter flight. So mm. that is not absolutely confirmed, but uh, it's pretty much there, and we're really looking forward to to that experience. So it will be so it will be a significant adventure, um, a, a longer a longer journey to get to uh, Honduras, but a shorter one to get home, uh, Kev. Well, that's right. It's 25 hours to get there, so it's uh, Qantas from Brisbane, Melbourne, Sydney that leaves at 11 at 11 o'clock or thereabouts. Gets to LA. I think it's about five hours in LA, and then you uh, transit for a flight down to San Salvador, the couple of uh, Salvador, uh, El Salvador, and then get to uh, Honduras and Pedro de Sula on the same day because you cross the international dateline seven, sorry, 9 p.m. And then you got three nights in the in a four star hotel, which is where a lot of the teams have stayed over the uh, over the years. Tour of the uh, the city with a local guide, obviously uh, nice security there, escorting us around the city, uh, and then go to the game and then uh, transport the uh, the group from the the Grand Guard Army group from the stadium. Uh, the game will finish about six o'clock directly to the plane, and it will take off at around about seven thirty. So and then it's about. 16 hours back to Australia via Honolulu, perhaps, for, for refuelling, uh, and then land in Sydney at 8 o'clock on Sunday, November the 12th. And although the Hondurans were likely to get a, uh, a charter, looks like that's fallen through, and they'll most likely get a commercial flight, which takes around 38 hours, and they arrive at 9 o'clock Sunday uh, sorry, Monday uh, morning. So they arrive 25 hours after we do. So it's a bit of a yeah, so it's going to be hard for them uh, one day less of pre- preparation. And uh, and that's not such a bad thing, Kevin. So tell us, uh, uh, guys, uh, if any of our listeners want to go, it's not too late as long as you've got a passport. Um, they just uh, get onto the Green and Gold Army website. Yeah, all information's at uh, ggatravel.com.au. Uh, or you can uh, get to the links through our normal website, ggarmy.com, and uh, we will welcome uh, you on the trip and... Uh, and uh, uh, not for the faint-hearted. It's, uh, it's going to be a long journey, but uh, a rewarding experience. And there's only one rule, Rob, and that is to bring home away goals. <laughs> hey, Kevin, thank you, mate. Safe travelling. 
You're welcome, and uh, we'll let you know how it goes in a few weeks' time. Yeah, we sure will. Uh, Well, we're going to talk to somebody else uh, about matters related to the Socceroos, but uh, coaching style, because uh, after the break, we're going to talk to Scott McIntyre from ESPN Asia. Just what is in this talk of uh, a contract in China, Edge? Do you... well, Edge Postacoglu, there's a lot of talk about him uh, leaving the Socceroos, obviously, mm. and maybe it's uh, off mm. to China. I can't see it happening, but mm. there is reports to suggest that. All right, stick around. We're talking to Scott McIntyre next. Box to Box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box on NTS and News Talk Sport on digital radio, streaming on the World Wide Web, and, of course, our podcast on Box to Box NTS com.au now we want to focus on the the Honduras World Cup tie but uh, the elephant in the room of course is the conversation around Ange Postacoglu uh, since it broke after the Syria match um, a little over a week ago it has been smoking ever since and the one person that won't come out and say anything about it is Ange himself uh, so in the absence of the voice uh, that we want to hear from. We need to find out from all of the other voices who know what they're talking about. And one of those voices is Scott McIntyre from ESPN Asia. And we we need to find out whether there is any smoke or fire um, with this Asian deal. Scott, welcome back to the show, mate. Yeah, good afternoon, guys. So I guess that is the question. Um, what are you hearing um, on, on your beat uh, as to whether the, uh, you know, the potential contracts are out there for Ange? Well, I mean, the, the specific case that we've heard uh, most about, uh, leaving aside the fact that this is all very surprising for me, that uh, that he's even considering stepping up from the soccer mm. job, and I'm not totally convinced that that's actually going to be the case. But uh, the the one uh, clear link that we've heard is uh, is to a Chinese club, uh, Shanghai Shenhua, a big uh, a club in China, fallen a, a little bit on. Uh, Leaner times uh, in recent years, but uh, but the thing with China is you just don't know because there's so many uh, agents at different levels that are involved in in all these clubs. I mean, even you know a negotiation with one a player or one coach can have uh, not only an agent on one side, for example, here in Australia, perhaps a local agent, then a Chinese agent, but they have multiple you know layers of agents, and uh, and stories can leak and. And swallow all, all around the spot. Uh, I mean, Gus Poirier, who's uh, probably well known for his uh, stint uh, managing uh, over in Europe, uh, was uh, on the hot seat until uh, early in September when he stepped down uh, from that role at Shanghai. And it's, it's very unusual for me to, to even think that that Ange w- would consider this job. I mean, if he's done any kind of due diligence, because uh, mm. it, it's pretty much well known uh, throughout much of the Chinese uh, Super League that the coaches, managers, if you like, are. Uh, are in many cases just playthings for, for rich owners and uh, and they don't make the decisions. They don't uh, often run training sessions. They don't uh, make tactical decisions. They don't make substitutions uh, quite often. And and if you listen to some of the, the comments that Poirier uh, made prior to his departure, I mean, he was, uh, without coming out and directly uh, saying that, said it in uh, not so many words. I mean, after one of the matches, uh, he said, you know, I've done all the... I can do with with the, the constraints that were placed upon me, and, and and you know, please respect me as a professional coach, and don't ask me any more questions. I mean, he's, he's basically coming out and saying that the, the the ownership of the club are the ones that are making the decision. So why on earth would Ange want to? I mean, if, if this is the thing, I'm I'm constantly critical of, of of agents that are involved in these the cases, sending players and and now uh, perhaps coaches across to these situations where they should be informing their clients of exactly what they're getting into, and and if Ange. That is indeed, and I, I have no idea if this is 
sure not. But but if um, you know he is in discussion with this club, I, I think it's uh, insane that he would, that he would even consider going to a club like Shenhua that's well known uh, throughout China and, uh, and Asia to have this kind of uh, ownership. Now there is comments from uh, Shenhua that uh, they're denying any link to Ange Postacoglu, but in the famous uh, in the famous uh, quote of. Uh, people that are about to change club, uh, a uh, Shenhua official has said that our current coach is uh, Wu Jingzhu. He and his backroom staff retain the full backing of the club <laughs> as we're in, inching toward the end of the season. Surely that's code for we're about to sack him. <laughs> well, this, this guy's an interesting case because he, he's, a, he's a professional uh, caretaker coach. I think he's in his sixth or seventh uh, stint at the club. <laughs> he's, he, I mean, he's a... I remember more than a decade ago, I think he first came in as a as a caretaker. They get these big name foreigners in, and then this is the kind of guy that they wheel out, <laughs> and he does his job, you know, until the, the next big name comes in. So yeah, I, I, there's only another, another couple of games to go until the end of the season. We're actually in the final of the uh, of the Chinese uh, FA Cup over there as well. So I'd, I'd be surprised if they made uh, any appointment uh, at this stage, which is even uh, more perplexing why Ange would consider it because uh, if you are going to take over, then you're not going to do so until the end, of, uh, sorry, until the uh, beginning of next season. So you're talking February. March next year. It's just yeah, it just doesn't make uh, make any sense. This is box to box on NTS and News Talk Sport. We're talking to ESPN Asia's Scott McIntyre about the speculation around Ange Postacoglu and a potential contract offer. And and what puzzles me, apart from all of the things that you've pointed out, uh, is uh, that Ange has been so hot on uh, on players playing first team football in credible competitions. Um, so why? Would he consider this? Now, I know I'm posing this question to you uh, because, you know, we need to talk about the issue and we all want to sort of uh, speculate uh, as we do in the media. But, you know, the, the 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 bigger overriding question is, if it's all untrue, why would he then leave the uh, the spectre of this uh, potential contract hanging over uh, the, the, the players with so much uncertainty? Forget about the, the media and the public. It's the players that um, that really matter here. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, the other thing, if we look specifically at this case in China, I mean, I'm pretty sure that I remember Ange being quite critical uh, on numerous occasions mm. about the standard of uh, football uh, in China and basically suggesting to the to the players that wanted to be in a frame for the, the Socceroos that they might want to beat a, uh, a track out of there pretty pretty uh, quickly. I, I don't personally subscribe to that uh, thinking, so it's interesting if, you know, now he's prepared to bury all that for a big payday. But, uh, yeah, as you say, um, uh, yeah, why... why and again, I don't know if it's actually going to happen, but but if he does leave, it, it's just perplexing as to why we know that he wants a, a, a club job. It was my understanding that that he was looking though to to do well in the World Cup and then uh, use that, you know, perhaps as a springboard to to get directly across to Europe, which makes more sense. I mean, if you leave now, uh, you know, where where are the options? Is uh, I don't know if you know even a moderate uh, club in Europe is going to is going to touch hands now, and you hear the quotes coming out uh, as you referenced earlier from China, saying that you know we 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 want to look at at a coach at a higher level. So I mean, if that's how he's uh, viewed in China, you, you can't imagine what you know the options are going to be like at a bigger club. Do you look at the flip side of it? If he goes you know, to the World Cup uh, in, in I think at the Confederations Cup, you know the results weren't there, but the performances were. So if you if you go to Russia and you you know you have your team uh, you know playing well against uh, perhaps bigger nations, then surely that you know looks better on your on your CV and and the whole, uh, you know, box and dice when clubs are considering uh, appointments in Europe, and is it beyond the pale that he could even get then, you know, a, a lower level, say, uh, a Premier League job in England or a higher level championship? Job? I don't think it is, but uh, yeah. So to, to, to leave now, it just 
It just makes no sense. It, it, it makes no sense that even the FFA haven't really addressed it. I mean, they come out with this kind of watery uh, statement, uh, you know, with Ange saying he's aware of this. Well, of course you're bloody aware of the speculation. <laughs> it's been around the place. So we, we don't want to know if you're aware of it. We, we want to know what it's about. And, and, and if this is the case, and if, if there's a deal being done, then he should be out now, yeah. in my opinion. He shouldn't yeah. be coaching these games. Because what does it say to the players that, that, that they're going in? You know, obviously there's a lot on the line, but if, you know, if they get the sense that this guy has been building this whole thing for, for years and years and, and, and is just leaving at this stage. I'm, I'm personally a massive fan of Andrew. I think he, you know, he, he's a great coach. He's done great things for the national team. He's really implemented a, a style of play that you know, we as Australians should all be uh, proud of. Uh, I think it's a style that you know, is not bowing down to anyone. It's taking um, the game to opponents regardless of you know, uh, stature or, or location. And uh, I think it's a wonderful thing. So, so for him to, yeah, to be even you know, considering pulling out now, if that, if that is the case, the FFA, if they've got the cojones, they should say, look, you're either with us or you're not with us. I mean, uh, okay, we've got this important match coming in, but but look at what happened. You know, we brought Hiddink in at short notice. There's other coaches you can bring in at short notice uh, from abroad. There's local options, you know, you could bring in at short notice. I'm sure would love to do these things as well that know the players in the system. So if if there is a truth to it and the FFA know it, uh, then, yeah, I, I think they should probably be, uh, you know, showing him the door now. There's a lot of people actually agree with you, Scott, but I want to just change the topic for one quick moment, is that uh, a lot of people might have seen a story only reach Australia in the last couple of days, but Matthew Yerman, who introduced himself uh, to Socceroos fans, uh, watchers in the A-League would know his talents, but he did perform very well in both leagues against Syria, but he's been suspended for two weeks mm. for making a gesture relating to money. <laughs> can, you, can you just actually break this one down for us, and what in the hell has happened? Yeah, well, he, he plays up in, uh, in, in the yeah, K-League in the Korea. Suwon Blue Wings, yeah. Yeah, which is, a, which is a league that's had um, all sorts of um, uh, problems with match fixing. Uh, I mean, really serious uh, problems dating back, uh, you know, almost a, a decade now. It was a big scandal uh, about five years ago where they, they went on a big sweep and arrested a whole lot of uh, players, uh, officials, and, and uh, sort of other types of... Um, Club level. I actually did a story uh, uh, last year on one of those clubs, John Book, who won the yes. Asian Champions yeah. League uh, uh, last year. It was, it was against this club that he was playing uh, John Book, who have a, have a real uh, reputation for, for being involved in this kind of stuff. So yeah, he, he did the old uh, you know fingers rubbing together, cash, mm. <laughs> the kind of uh, symbol, and he was handed a, a ban up in Korea. So yeah, it's probably not the, the smartest thing. Uh, to have, to have done, particularly in, in in that country and against that specific club, it's actually a, a tragic thing. The, the the guy that was actually involved um, heavily in that John Book stuff actually uh, ended up killing himself earlier. Mm. He went back to the stadium in the, in the dead of night and he yeah he topped himself in the mm. in the stadium. So it's um, yeah it's a sensitive uh, issue and a, and a deep issue in Korea. So yeah, he probably uh, should have been a little bit uh, more more clever than uh, to do that kind of thing during a game. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Scott, um, that is a sad note to end this conversation on, but um, on the sort of the, the bigger picture of this discussion, hopefully it will all mean naught because Ange will get us qualified for Russia, realise the error of his ways, realise that he needs to go to the uh, World Cup with the shop window there and then get himself his gig in Europe after that. That's what uh, I think we're all hoping will happen. Yeah, there's one school of uh, thought that suggests that that might be what it's all about as well, you know, that he just uh, wants to feel the love, and and let's hope it is that. Exactly. Good on you, Scott McIntyre from ESPN Asia. Thanks as always, mate. No problem.
Stick around because after the break, Mark Van Aken is going to jump into the chair, usually occupied by Dean Hennessy, and we're going to talk about this weekend's action in the A-League and, of course, next week's second semi-final in the FFA Cup. That's all coming up next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport on digital radio, streaming on the World Wide Web, and of course our podcast on Box to Box NTS.com.au. Now Dino is away this week, as we know. Mark's going to jump in and chat A League, but before we do, you got to give your skin the royal treatment, Mark, with the luxurious sure. Healthy Care Anti-Aging Gold Flake Face Serum. You like the sound of that? I need I some of that. I've got about 90 mate, stitches I'm in going, there. I was going to say, our mate over here has been in the hospital this week. Exactly. With and I'm going to Queensland in yeah. two weeks' time. So, yes, right, tell well, me more, Rob. Tell you more. And Michael, for the listeners who are unaware of what we're talking about, has had a skin cancer removed, but he's recovering nicely. It's a dual-function formula, Healthy Care Anti-Aging Gold Flake Serum, which enhances skin hydration and prevents water loss, making it the perfect companion during the cold and dry winter months. It also helps to reduce fine line and wrinkles. Let's face it, we all deserve to get a little gold into our life, don't we? Right now, you can get healthy <laughs> care anti-aging gold face serum for only twelve ninety-nine at Chemist Warehouse because it helps your body reduce fine lines and wrinkles, gives your skin the royal treatment. So get along to Chemist Warehouse, get yourself some healthy care anti-aging gold face serum. But remember, always read the label. Use only as directed. Chemist Warehouse, lowest prices guaranteed as always. Rob. Yes. Freebies, come on. Yeah, I've of got course. wrinkles. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm aging. Okay, leave it with me. I'm going we'll to Queensland. On. I'm going to get these wrinkles. What's yeah. going on, okay. mate? Okay, well, we leave it with me. All right, come on, Rob, get control sure. of this segment, please. <laughs> That's right. My, okay. my friend over here's been in hospital. Come on, okay. we just need. So we've got right, the big round three uh, fixture starting off tonight at the Adelaide Oval. And we have the, uh, the so one-sided grudge match tonight. Yeah. Adelaide United and Melbourne Victory. We've got all the Adelaide United fans. About uh, this time, oh, they'll still be having a couple more beers before they head off to Rundle Mall. Rundle Mall and down to Adelaide Oval for the big game. Mm-hmm. Uh, interestingly enough, Adelaide United, Taylor Regan, uh, he's still out with his ankle injury, obviously. Mm-hmm. And Ta- uh, Tarek Elrich is out uh, long-term with a knee, so... Mm-hmm. Um, into the squad uh, is Matt Moore and O'Ching. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see because Melbourne Victory must be smarting after a unplanned and unexpected mm. two straight losses. Who would have thought Melbourne Victory in ninth spot on the ladder and Adelaide uh, in fifth spot showed a bit of form of recent times. And Victory haven't won in Adelaide since 2009. In the last really? eight fixtures, uh, they've had... Four losses and four draws. Yeah, and look, the, the the joker in the pack for me is Adelaide Oval. Um, you know, I'm, I, I know they do it for commercial reasons to get the, the, the crowd numbers, but I do prefer Adelaide playing at Hindmarsh. Mm. Um, but having said all of that, look, the odds are against Melbourne Victory in many, many ways. I mean, they have a full squad. They have no injuries. You would expect the uh, players that had, had international duty with mm. Syria would be fully recovered. So you'd yeah. expect them to be smarting and come out full of energy and purpose. But I think the Reds will be ready because okay. I think they've had a good pre-season and mm. they've started okay. Mark? Greg Griffin, why is this game at the Adelaide Oval? Mm. Why? It's not gonna, it won't make any money, Michael. You know this. They're going to get 20000 in the game. This is one of the marquee games, not just in the A-League, the marquee games in Australian sport. Mm-hmm. And we're losing it 
Yeah, look. Because it's at the Adelaide Oval. Yeah, look. Why? I, I, yeah, I, I disagree Why? with you there, Mark. I think um, the... Why, Rob? Oh, okay, calm down um, with your sore voice there. Um, the uh, <laughs> Adelaide Oval has had a fortune spent on it. Um, we've seen in AFL football, in cricket, um, we've seen it absolutely packed, and uh, and it's the it's the feature of of Adelaide these days. It's got to be played there. That's uh, that's my opinion. Well, I hope there's forty five thousand there tonight. I hope they're clamouring no the walls. No chance. I hope the place is full of red, and uh, we get a good game. I'm looking forward to watching it on the telly tonight, and I mm. think Adelaide United might compound Melbourne victory's misery tonight. No, I um, predicted City would beat Victory last week, but I'm going to predict the uh, the comeback for Victory, but it, not all the way. I think Question. It's going to be a high-scoring draw. Two I know all. Victory haven't lost two games off mm. two, mm. only once in their life. Mm. Have they ever lost three in a row off the top of the season? Well, I'm not sure about that. I but, don't uh, think they have, and if they do, I'll tell you what's going to get squeaky mm. bum time down at Amy Park. Yeah, well, maybe. I was really interested to listen to John Cosmina this week uh, on Fox Sports because mm. he did a good, a good job of analysing Melbourne Victory's front three and just felt that they were becoming a little bit predictable, mm. especially the service for Berisha. And that uh, structure is important in obviously setting up a team, but obviously having variety within that structure. So mm. uh, Bessart Berisha, you'd be looking for a goal. Yeah. Okay, so uh, that's tonight's game. Tomorrow afternoon, the double header, the first of which is at Amy Park, uh, Melbourne City v Wellington. Aren't they flying? Yeah, look, unexpected too, the the two wins. Um, mm. Bruce Kamau, three goals in mm. two matches. Two of them, obviously, ricochets yeah, yeah. or deflections, depending yeah, on yeah. which uh, part of the world you come you come from. But uh, you take these every day of the week. I think Warren Joyce uh, would be super, super happy with the start. And all Melbourne Victory fans would be too. Um, this is a, a danger game from the perspective that mm. Um, Wellington Phoenix, um, you know, you never know what's going to happen, who's going to well, turn up. They weren't bad last week, were they? They were a bit stiff uh, not to to get something out of that game against Sydney. Sydney yeah, started yeah. To, uh, uh, to to worry a bit late when uh, when Wellington came out. They did, didn't they? And uh, well, they were competitive, and that's mm. a lot of people thought they weren't going to be this year. But mm. you'd have to think that Melbourne City can uh, remain on top of the table after this game. A brave, you'd be a brave man to tip against them at Amy Park. Yeah, well, I won't be doing that. Um, so. Uh, City to win that one in the later game, uh, the Sydney Derby, um, full house tip, at Rob. the Sydney Football Stadium. My tip. Doesn't well, matter. Jump, no, jump no, in. That's fine. Yeah, so who are you selecting, Mark? Uh, not Wellington. Okay, no. so Mark tip City. So the Sydney Derby. Will you start us off with the Sydney Derby? Well, then? First of all, both teams have full squads for the mm. Sydney Derby. There's no injuries. Mm-hmm. Clean bill of health. It'll all be about who they select and who they play. Mm. Exactly. A wider topic here, as you know, and Michael and I are sports business guys, Rob. Mm. A lot of talk this week about whether ANZ would get the nod ahead of, uh, sorry, or or Allianz would get mm. the head, would get the nod ahead of a- ANZ. For the renovation, yeah. Well, look, I mean, but that conversation's been going on for ages. But the decision gets mm. uh, put down this week. Mm. Your thoughts? I mean, yeah. Well, there's a SFS you know, born, born and bred in very tired, very tired stadium, and yeah, yeah. ANZ needs to be fully rectangular. It's yeah. not fully rectangular, although the AFL apparently has still mm. got their tentacles yeah. over that venue, which befuddles me. Yeah, look, it's it, it's a tough choice uh, because um, you know, as you said, Allianz, the Sydney Football Stadium, is tired. Um, it, uh, it it needs a hell of a lot of work done to get it up to standard. Um, but then again, ANZ um, is uh, is a ground that that just hasn't found its place in the heart of, uh, of Sydney Siders, except for the blockbusters, whether it's uh, it's it's major World Cup qualifying ties, state of origin, grand final, etc. So um, if I was going to have my way, I would probably knock down Allianz and, and start again, Edge. Uh, 
purely on behalf of football, um, if Allianz was reconfigured or, or rebuilt, fantastic, because we're going to get then two stadiums for football in Parramatta yeah. and Allianz. But what about this game? Mm. This is this is obviously the feature game of the round, the, the big derby between the two the giants of Sydney, um, Sydney FC, the big roosters in town. Mm. Western Sydney who want to knock them off their perch. We Don't had roosters. We had, uh, well, no, you know, the big roosters. Is I, the, I get your yeah, point. Don't say thank roosters. you, Mark. Um, we had Hayden Fox on the show last week, and he was uh, very direct in his opinions of many things. And I imagine the Western Sydney Wanderers are going to turn up and, and give this a great contest. And what an atmosphere. Oh, oh, this is a toss of the coin for me. It's a derby. Form goes out of the window. Yeah. It's who wants it the most. Yeah, I'm going to tip um, the Wanderers um, in an upset uh, I, I, just because I'd uh, I'd like to see a cracking game. And I know plenty of our friends, including Michael Alafachi from Storage King, who uh, is a uh, major uh, Sydney FC fan. I get messages from him during every single game. Sorry, Michael, but uh, Wanderers to win that one. Um, so that's the second of the doubleheader. And then, of course, on Sunday, you've got the, the Brisbane, Newcastle, and then Perth, Central Coast Mariners. Well, Brisbane and Newcastle is interesting because uh, obviously trouble at Brisbane during the week with mm. Mark Kingsman being shown the door by uh, the owners of the the Brisbane War, the so-called Bakery Group guys, and uh, who knows what's going up there. There's reports of bills again being unpaid, players getting wages late, uh, superannuation owed. I mean, there's a whole heap of rumours. Mm. Who knows whether they're true or not. You would expect that that type of event mm. creates a distraction. Mm. Um, it'll be interesting to see whether it does and whether John Aloisi can hold the boys together. There's been a lot of comparisons during the week about yeah. um, can John Aloisi replicate what Graham Arnold did at Central Coast when yeah. uh, they won the title with similar circumstances uh, way back about four or five years ago. Yeah. But Newcastle Jets um, have shown a bit. Uh, yeah. They're in third spot on the table, and they'd be going up there thinking... Ernie Merrick's on fire. They would, be, they would be thinking that this is a game that they can get, yeah. and, uh, and I tend to agree, and I think uh, Newcastle Jets might get the job done. Really weird stuff. Brisbane Raw, deja vu all over again because um, they've brought uh, David Pore back in today yeah. as their chairman. David's a good guy. I've spoken to him before. He's been, he's gone, he's come back. That yeah. club is yeah. in such flux. And it's, yeah. it's a club that should do well year yeah. after year. Yeah. We've seen it do well with Ange on the park. Yeah. It's so yeah. weird. Anyway, but... In terms of the game, look, I wouldn't be surprised, Michael, if uh, this all this off the pitch stuff galvanises them. Yeah, mm. yeah. I'll go the other way. I, I reckon it's um, we see in the AF, the AFL environment when a coach goes, mm. the, the, the the troops rally. I reckon they might lose this week. Okay. I reckon there's well, a lack of focus. All right. Well, I'm going to tip the Jets to uh, to continue on their merry way. And I always like the Sunday night game because uh, you know it's seven it's, o'clock. Yeah. I look just as a TV. You like job. it because there's no one there. No, I just like it to that watch on TV. That was disgusting last Sunday, Rob. No, it's all right, but I like there it. There was no I, one there, mate. I like it because it's on TV and it's a TV view. Oh, it, um, it's better than Rob. watching uh, whatever's on TV. Get, mate, you're allowed to have your opinion, Mark. So you go. It's right a game of opinions, it. Rob. So Perth Glory. Uh, the Central Coast Mariners, Michael. Central Coast were stiff last week. They played very, very mm. well. What about the De, De Silva's goal? Probably the best goal uh, we've seen this year already. Um, but I can't see them going across the Nullarbor and getting points. I think Perth will be waiting for them. Uh, Perth mm. have been on the road for two weeks in a row. First they'll, home game, that's they'll right. Be, they'll be looking for it, and I think mm. they'll uh, come out winners. But Central Coast, one to watch. Uh, they were poor in round one. Mm. A lot of people said that 5-1 loss to Newcastle, though it wasn't a true reflection of the game. And uh, last week they were okay. But interesting to watch them, but Perth will be, Perth will be Rob, odds on. It's a 4 o'clock game in Perth. 
I yeah. apologise. I give it to you. Sorry. <laughs> Can you uh, record that uh, for posterity, please, Nigel? Because uh, that doesn't happen I was very wrong. often. <laughs> I was wrong. Well done, Fonz. Thanks, Marco. Stick around because after the break, the chief football writer of the Leicester Mercury, Rob Tanner, is going to look at another coach sacking at his club. Who would have thought uh, when we were riding that roller coaster to glory um, a couple of years ago that we would have seen this happen? So we're going to chat to Rob about that. And we're also going to chat to Rob about the Champions League action and the upcoming round of. Uh, EPL games uh, this weekend because Dino's away and we need someone who is capable of going through all those games and that Rob Tanner is that man and then of course we will wrap it up with stoppage time so that's all coming up next on Box to Box Now this is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley Oh what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse Home of real brands and real savings And Storage King They're just around the corner Absolutely fantastic! Welcome back to Box to Box on NTS and News Talk Sport Second Edition News Shortly. Then we'll chat to the Chief Football Writer of the Leicester Mercury, Rob Tanner, our friend Rob. He's been a great friend of Box to Box ever since this show started. He's going to tell us all about the sacking of Craig Shakespeare at the Foxes. We're also going to stick around with Rob uh, because Dean Hennessy, as we know, is not in the show tonight and Robbie's going to talk us through the Champions League action of the week as well as the upcoming weekend's action in the EPL and we will wrap it up with stoppage time and Mark and his scratchy voice, but he's soldiering on because he's a trooper and um, he just wouldn't... Uh, wouldn't do it's anything not scratchy, it's, it's just non-existent. <laughs> it's not but it's all right, as long as it's sufficient to give us a little bit of news. So uh, so what's next on your um, on your uh, news sheet, well, news look, hound? Tonight my news is a bit disjointed, as you know, for some off-air okay. off, off okay. reasons. That's all but right. But I found something very interesting on, I think it was Late Line during the week, where John Littleator, a friend of our mm. show here and a friend of probably everyone on the show, um, talking about, and I know it's a bit dated, but uh, Timmy last week, Timmy Cahill, coming mm. up with his T mm-hmm. sign about mm-hmm. his well, travel. Well, we went. You, you came off the long run last week, well, as I did, did I. Yeah. But, but John made a good point uh, in that the collective bargaining agreement, mm. everyone gets paid the same. So he made, he made the good, look. I'm not, I'm not defending Tim by mm. any stretch, but he said. Well, there'd be a bit of a backflip if you did. It would be. No, I'm not going to defend him because he's got, <laughs> he's got. I'm tipping. Tim. I just had a visual of Mark doing a backflip. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't end well for me or the physio. Move on. Well, the physio would love it. He'd probably get two months' work out of it. But um, the, the the fact is, he said Aiden Hustick made a good mm. uh, Hustick, uh, who sat on the bench. He made the same amount out of those two games mm. that Tim did, mm. even though Aiden up-and-coming Australian player, but mm. hasn't got off the bench. And it goes back to Mark Milligan, Michael, before you chime in. <laughs> Interestingly, for our listeners, back in 2006, Mark Milligan, we all see him now as a Socceroo, Dydenwall Socceroo, guy that's in the A-League, probably could have made it in England, whatever. He made more by going to Germany for six weeks mm. with the Socceroos than he made playing for Sydney FC that season. And again, it shows you the wages. But he, he was yeah. on like 120k at Sydney FC, and he made 140k playing for the Socceroos. So I see both sides of it. But at the same time, does that excuse? So I'm, I'm actually getting back to my original one. Mm. Does that excuse the behaviour, boys? Well, does you know, I think you're, you're, the, the way you've explained this story Have sort I of goes. Any sense? No, no, but I think what it does, I'm trying to piece the threads together. It, it gives you a sense of the uncertainty of how people feel about it because I disagree with it. I don't think you should do it. Yes, I, I believe in the commercial side of business, but I think there should be some purity around some aspects of, uh, of the on field performance. I know Michael Edgley over here said <laughs> last week. Well, I think the funny <laughs> thing about one of the funniest things. 
him Whiskers last week's was him uh, saying he didn't care whether he did a, a triple backflip in the sign of a golden arches or whatever, as long as he kicks goals. And I and he looks like with that big grin on his face, he's about to say something he's very like similar. Look at Cheshire Look at him. Come on, I'm just, I'm just laughing at. Uh, I, I do find John Didelitz's uh, reasoning to defend what Tim is doing as as enter- I, I, That's as far as I'm concerned, that's entertainment. Um, and the mm. fact that he's using the fact that all the players get paid the same mm. as an excuse to uh, to allow Tim to make a bit more money. Uh, I, I don't know whether that whether that cuts it. I don't think Tim's broken any rules. I think my perspective on this is Tim has enough credits in the bank. If, if he made an error by doing this, uh, so be it. Let's all mm. move on. Um, he's been a superb servant and uh, ambassador for a game. And, and all the money in the world that he earns, um, whether you agree with it or not, I, I still think Australia's been better for it. But... You know, mm. let's not make too much of an issue of this. I guess that's it. If, the, if that's the worst thing he's done, well, okay, move on. For sure. What else you got? Uh, now, um, Alex Brosk. If you recall, boys, Sydney he's got a fair beard, Alex Brosk. He does. Oh, it's a great beard. I wish I had a beard like that. Mm. My, you don't. My missus doesn't. I can tell you. Okay, enough on beards. In, in, in wishing, Alex Brosk. In wishing I didn't have a beard. Yes. Um, He's asking for revenge this week in the big derby, mm. New, uh, the New South Wales derby, or the Sydney derby, between mm. uh, the Sky Blues and, of course, Western Sydney Wanderers. Would you even bother? I mean, you've won the premiership. Mm. You've won the championship. Fair enough, it's the only game they lost all season was to the Wanderers. But would you even mm. worry about this at this point? And this is going to lead into my next point, mm. Sydney boy over there. But mm. uh, I know you're typing away. What are you doing? But, I'm, uh, I'm doing some preparation for the um, <laughs> for the program. Go ahead. No, go ahead. But uh, look, would you be worried at this stage, Sydney FC? Do you think Arnie's going, go on, boys, it's a you know, revenge this week? He couldn't mm. give a toss, could he? No, no, I don't think you could give a, a rat's toss bag. Um, but I, I like... Um, what is a rat's toss bag? No, I, I don't know <laughs> what it was. It was Terry Wallace, wasn't it? Or, no, Malcolm Blight. Malcolm Blight, that was it. That, um, that, uh, uh, I, I like Hayden Fox's style. No, no, we don't. I've, I I've, got, think a just fair, ma- I've got a fair idea, but anyway, that's fine. I, okay, so uh, moving right along. Hayden Fox <laughs> impressed me last week. I think uh, he's done a, a good job um, and uh, galvanised that side. I think... Uh, oh, look, we shouldn't do... underestimate, Rob, what this game means to mm. both clubs yeah. and both both sets of fans. Um, for me, this game is the best one because it's Allianz, because mm-hmm. half the stadium will be blue, half the stadium yeah, will be red yeah, and black. Yeah. And uh, we'll have a, a really cracking atmosphere. We'll have a really cracking game, I think. Mm. And Western Sydney, uh, for me, they've improved. The signings they've made have been good. They've started the season very well. And I'm expecting a, a, a really great contest, great theatre, great television. And I think we'll be talking about it next week. Mm. Is there any debate about the best Derby in Australia. We talk about oh, Melbourne. The best Derby There's is this no one. There's no way. In, yeah, the exactly right. I mean, the this, reality is, with, this is captured with, with the imagination respect, of Sydney. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And the, the reality is, I mean, yes, the Wanderers probably have slightly more fans than the Blue, Sky Blues, but it's roughly, roughly, don't get upset with us out there, mm. roughly 50-50, which it's nowhere near in Melbourne. It, it, no, that's and right. And that's we not having that up Melbourne week, City. Yeah. We can park that. But mm. mate, this is this is a massive, massive game, which leads me in, Rob, to the next mm. one. As a former Sydney sider, although you've lived down south for a mm. long time, now it, it appears the New South Wales government are going to get prioritise Allianz SFS mm. over ANZ. Yeah, yeah, no, we've, been... we've, we've sort of um, discussed that a little, bit... but um, I, I just um, think. Um, I'll believe it when I see it. There's so much politics in the politics well, two of bucks this there, conversation. Yeah, two billion dollars. Uh, I'll just believe what happens when the first sod's turned.
Can I ask you what would you prefer? And I know. No, you're no, a no, I've already said it. I, I, I've already said that I'd prefer um, uh, uh, the Sydney Football Stadium to be knocked down. Um, I'd, Why? I'd, well, because these uh, this Stadium Australia, Homebush Stadium, ANZ it's Stadium, not whatever. Okay, you ask me a question, I'm answering it. Okay. Um, is and that I, it's I, only? I'm interrupting it. Y- yes, you yes. are. Uh, so it's only 17 years old. It um, it is still when it's packed. Uh, a, a great venue. Uh, it gets a lot of criticism from people who live in the uh, the sort of uh, the, the the Bayside, Harbourside um, uh, suburbs. But the reality of it is, it's located in the central area of Homebush, and uh, and there's a train station that goes there, so you can get a train in and you can get a train out, yeah, and, uh, and so it's set up. So yeah. it doesn't. I don't think, have the, the level of urgency required. Um, Edge, you also talked about the fact that the Parramatta Stadium is being built, so that's brand new. Um, so I think the eastern suburbs needs the uh, the prestige stadium. Um, and as a travelling fan who goes mm. to events in Sydney, mm. it's a hell of a lot better going to Moore Park than it is going out to City Olympic Park. See, that I don't agree with, because the Golden West is, um, is the about... gateway to... It, it's Rob, it's there's about, one train about, line out there, it's not about and you have to line up yeah. like you're... Okay. I won't even say what you like. Okay, well, okay, because I'm, 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 mate, you have to I line disagree, up for hours and then you get. Mate, I was, you I was the born city, and bred in the shadows of Homebush, and yeah, I know I'm going to defend it till uh, the well, whilst my backside points to the ground. So you're not going to get me to change my What's mind. What's the best thing that's, that's come out of Homebush? Don't the hal- say halal snack pack. No, no, there, there was a small matter of the. Wasn't Olympics that the hal- halal snack pack designed in the shadows of Homebush? Yeah, probably was. Yeah. I don't know that for sure, but I tell you, there's a stack Rob. of uh, of our Muslim no, brothers is and friends else, in, uh, in Auburn made a great kebab down there. Yes, halal snack pack, fan. I don't mind. I'm them. actually not a fan. No, no, I don't I'm mind. I'm a big them, fan of the kebab. I'm yeah, a big yeah. fan of chips yeah. together. No, I nah. prefer a kebab than a halal snack pack. Kate. <laughs> Mark, can I? Can I um, there might no, be one of my car downstairs. Can I just pay homage to someone? Anyway, Michael, yes. Yes, let's just uh, stop all the, the uh, chatty chat for a moment and just pay homage to uh, <laughs> former Socceroos captain Pat Hughes, who passed away yes. during the week. Yeah, um, yeah. We should, we'd like to uh, remember him. Um, born in, uh, in Greenock in Scotland in mm. June of 1939, um, he obviously migrated to Australia and uh, rose to the ranks of been um, the captain of the Socceroos. He was number 167 in caps. What I found interesting mm. was that in 1967, he led his adopted country against his home country, mm. where he was born, Scotland. Um, and after that game, he felt he couldn't give up his employment and had to decline uh, playing for the Socceroos. It was a different different mm. era for our na- nation's uh, footballers back then. And um, we should just mention for his family uh, and all the Socceroos fans out there, we dearly remember him and uh, uh, we uh, obviously send our condolences and a life well led. Yeah, well said, Ed. You couldn't have said it better, mate. It's uh, it's nice um, uh, to hear those uh, those words, and uh, and we have to honour the pioneers because we wouldn't be sitting here talking about anything if it wasn't for them. All right, boys. Uh, next up, our friend from the Leicester Mercury, Rob Tanner. What's going on at the Foxes? Uh, we, we've followed this story. It's you been said it was of... a sacking. I think it was a guillotining. Great yeah, show. I, I, Let's find yeah, out after the break. Yeah. All right, stick around on Box to Box. Box to box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport on digital radio, streaming on the World Wide Web, and of course, our podcast on boxtoboxnts.com.au. Now, a couple of years ago when we first started this show, one of our great friends that we we talked to regularly then, and we've talked to him many times since. Uh, Rob Tanner, the chief football writer of the Leicester Mercury, walked us through the roller coaster that was that glorious season. Two years on, or a little over a year on, I should say, we've had two coaches sacked and one this week in Craig Shakespeare. 
Rob, what is going on at Leicester? I wish I knew, to be honest. Um, I mean, having uh, the owners in the in the past uh, with Nigel Pearson being so patient and mm. giving the, the manager time and being so calm and considered about things, they suddenly seem to be pressing the panic button at the moment. And yeah. uh, I think we were all quite surprised. There were a few fans that um, that wanted Shakespeare sacks, uh, surprisingly. They wanted somebody with a bit more experience at the helm. But, uh, you know, the guy's uh, a very experienced coach. He never managed before, but... Um, the reaction he got from the players last season uh, when he uh, came in for Claudio Ranieri would suggest that he'd certainly got the support and the yeah. backing of those players. And uh, I think after the uh, after just eight games of this season, I think it's way too early um, to be seeking a new manager. Yeah, and given that um, that you know it, it was only a few months back that he, he signed a contract extension. Uh, not that it's a big issue, uh, you know, paying out a contract. It uh, it seems to um, go on every other week um, in football around the world. But uh, but the the generally accepted theory is that that he he just had very few uh, points. He had he had little um, uh, to fall back on when the immediate hard times came. Well, that's it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, if you you know, without any sort of managerial experience. Um, you've got nothing to fall back on. You can't fall back on that Claudio Ranieri fell, fell back on the fact he won the title, which is the ultimate yeah. money in the bank, isn't it, really? Um, but um, I think with Craig as well, there were so many mitigating circumstances, things that happened that were out of his control. I mean, if we start off the fixtures, uh, the fixture list came out and uh, you know four of the first six games were against last season's top six. There was yeah. Yeah, Arsenal, Man United, Chelsea and Liverpool. Incidentally, those are the four games they lost. And in all four games, they were well in the game. Mm. Uh, they should have uh, got something out of the game at Arsenal. They were 3-2 up with seven minutes to go. They had a penalty saved when they were 3-2 down against Liverpool at home. Should have got something out of that game as well. They certainly tested Chelsea at home. And then and United, they frustrated them for 70 minutes. So their performances weren't bad in those games. But it's the games that they drew, that they actually picked up points in, that seem to be the, uh, the ones that have cost him his job. Uh, Huddersfield away. Bournemouth away, and then Monday night, West Bromwich uh, Albion at home. The performances weren't particularly great. They were very um, tedious sort of games. Um, but uh, they still managed to, to dig in and, and, and grind out a point in those games. I mean, Huddersfield away, they were behind. Albion at home, they were behind to, a, to the only shot on target Albion had in the whole eight, the whole game. Um, I think the, uh, the owners must have decided that um, the, the team wasn't on the right track and they needed to change direction straight away but uh, it's incredibly harsh on Shakespeare Very harsh what's been the fans reactions Rob in your opinion how have they taken this news Well I'm quite surprised actually there was um, we had a poll on the Mercury website and over 50% thought it was the right decision mm. um, I mean I, I think it was the wrong decision but then when Claudio was removed in February uh, unanimously they wanted him to stay on but at the time, I thought the team was only going in one direction. So, you know, it's just very strange. Perhaps I'm out of touch with the supporters. But uh, you know, there was a really weird atmosphere after the Albion uh, game. Normally, even in defeat, the uh, City fans applaud the players off the pitch. And there's a bit of an atmosphere at the end of the game. When the final whistle went, there was a few boos. And then there was just eerie silence, mm. which was really strange. I've not experienced that at the King Power Stadium before. So perhaps that was a massive factor. For the owners, the, the chairman wasn't there, but his son, uh, Iowat, who's known as Top, he was there, and uh, perhaps he noticed that and thought, well, the fans are going to turn soon, so we might as well uh, drop the axe now and then get a new guy in. So, 
Yeah, well, we'll see where they go now with, with the, the next appointments because it's, whoever comes in, um, it's got a massive job on their hands now because um, the players were incredibly, and I've spoken to a couple of people around them, incred- incredibly um, loyal to Shakespeare, uh, really liked him, uh, and I think they're very, very um, gutted at the uh, at the decision to to remove him. So whoever's got to come in now has got to lift them and get them going again. Owners, it's really interesting these situations develop, Rob, isn't it? Because owners seem to get away without carrying any of the responsibility. Yet the, the, the owners made the decision to appoint Shakespeare, which probably, in hindsight, was the wrong decision. Uh, the, the owners, will they come under any public scrutiny or is the afterglow of uh, winning, the champion, uh, winning the premiership um, give them a, enough slack to do what they want to do? I think the owners have... Um because of the money they've invested, uh, will be untouchable. Uh, there is a lot of fans, and this is even before Shakespeare's second, who are now questioning the management of the club, and that's the uh, director of football and the head of recruitment, Eduardo Massier and John Lutkin. Hmm. Uh, those, both of those have been, uh, the thing has been pointed at them, um, because I mentioned some of the factors that were out of Shakespeare's control. The sale of Danny Drinkwater on transfer deadline day, the hmm. farce that yeah. has now become the uh, attempt to sign um, Adrian Silva as his replacement, which FIFA are blocking now because it was 14 seconds mm. too late. They're getting the documentation in. They're taking it to the Court of Arbitration for Sport. That was out of um, Shakespeare's control. Uh, the recruitment last summer and, and certainly this summer has now been questioned because a lot of those lads are still not in the first team. You know, you're spending millions and millions of pounds and these players are not having an impact. I mean, there was uh, Vicente Bora. And uh, Kletchi and Acho, both of them got injured in pre-season. That was out of um, Shakespeare's control. So everybody's just coming to the first team now. So there was a lot of factors around the club that, you know, Shakespeare had no influence on, but have ultimately had an impact on the start of the season. And uh, I think the fans are, are certainly pointing the finger now. At certainly John Lugkin, director of football. Mm. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to the chief football writer of the Leicester Mercury, Rob Tanner, about the sacking of Shakespeare in this past week. So, you know, you've mentioned uh, the various fiascos and you know potential mitigating factors behind uh, you know the uh, the lack of success in the early stages of this season. Uh, but um, in terms of uh, going forward, you, you you've said who, you know who would want want to take on the role. I mean, obviously at the moment it would appear to be a poison chalice. Uh, uh, you know, we hear the, the usual suspects' names lined up. Um, you know, Big Sam. Is there a, you know, another comeback in him? Uh, you know, what sort of names um, are, are you hearing? Uh, you know, around the traps as uh, as p- possible contenders. Well, uh, Big Sam has um, ruled himself out. He was on a radio show um, yesterday morning in England mm-hmm. saying that um, he um, wasn't ready to come back into management when he left Crystal Palace. He decided he, he wanted a break from it all. I think the uh, experience with England. Um, and the newspaper sting that led to his downfall as England manager has left a, a legacy there. So he's out of the running. Um, there's obviously the usual ones, as you mentioned, that have been uh, mentioned before. I mean, Carlo Ancelotti's been mentioned. I don't think Leicester City will be able to get a manager of uh, his international pedigree, but I could be wrong. But I think the more realistically, it's the likes of Sean Dyche at Burnley, mm-hmm. who, is, who lives locally. Uh, it's happened to um, leave his family three nights a week and, and uh, travel up to Burnley to uh, do a, uh, his job up there. Uh, I think he'd be certainly interested in the in the job. He's been at Burnley five years, achieved as much as I think he probably could achieve there. It might be time for him to have a new challenge. Uh, Chris Coleman, uh, his contract runs out as Wales manager at the end of November. Um, he might fancy a return to uh, club management after having led 
done such a great job with Wales getting them to the Euro semi-finals yeah. and they just fell short in the qualifying for the World Cup so the time might be right for him as well so those are a couple of the names I think that will be you know at the forefront of uh, of Leicester's uh, deliberations but um, they've pulled out wild cards in the past they might pull out another one in this case um, but I, I, I say it's a, a, a big job for whoever comes in but there won't be a shortage of uh, managers who want to take this job. I mean, the club is set up very well. Mm. And they have got talented players. Uh, they have got a fantastic fan base. You know, it is a good job to take. Um, but, they, you know, there's just a little bit of work to be done in terms of the psyche of certain people around the club, get them going again. Um, but you can achieve something with this football club. So um, I think there'll be no shortage of people throwing their hat into, their, into the, the ring. Well, we understand Michael Appleton is going to uh, take charge of uh, the match uh, in the coming weekend. Um, and how do you think the players will respond to him? And, and what can you tell uh, Leicester fans in Australia about Michael? Well, Michael Appleton, um, he was a combative midfield player and he had to retire early because of injury and straight away launched into a coaching career. He worked with Craig Shakespeare at West Bromwich Albion and uh, then when Shakey moved on to Leicester City, Appleton's career um, carried on uh, on an upward arc. Many went to set out on his own as a, a manager, and he did a brilliant job at, uh, at lower league teams. And then Leicester went in for him at Oxford United, and he just got them promoted. And uh, he came in as uh, Shakey's number two. He's uh, if you ever see an image of him, the guy works out in the gym. He's got he's got arms like everybody else's legs. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I think I think he was brought in to shake things up because Shakespeare was um, very close to those players. So when you then step over from a number two to a number one and you've suddenly got to be the figure of authority, it can be difficult. So I think uh, Appleton was brought in as the enforcer to shake the players up a little bit. Uh, so it's going to be interesting now because he's got a lot of managerial experience at the lower league level. Um, so, he, you know, he, he could come in and uh, certainly shake those players up a little bit. I, I He's only been at the club a short period of time, so I don't think he's got that connection with the players that Shakey had when he took over from Claudio Ranieri. So hmm. it'll be interesting what sort of reaction he, he gets. And we'll all be watching with interest at Swansea City at the weekend. But, um, you know, he's, he's, he's not, it's not like leaving the, 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 uh, the club in completely rookie hands. He's, uh, no. He has got experience of management, so he, he'll be OK. All right, Rob. Well, um, that's Leicester City. Uh, we need some stability at the Foxes, mate, because it was such a good story. The last thing we need is for it to, to spiral completely out of control. But, hey, Rob, you're going to stick around because after the break, we uh, are going to have a chat to you about the uh, the Premier League, the Champions League action of this past week, mate. So, uh, yeah, you're going to stay, stay with us for a little bit longer, Rob? Absolutely. Excellent. Stick around. Next, That's all next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you for Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings, and Storage King, they're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Box the box on NTS News Talk Sport. We now we've rounded up for the uh, shenanigans, for want of a better word, at uh, at Leicester City with the sacking of Craig Shakespeare with uh, Rob Tanner, chief football writer of the Leicester Mercury. But Rob stuck around and he's going to preview the uh, the upcoming weekend of the EPL and and also have a a quick look at uh, at the, the Champions League matches. Uh, so, Rob, uh, what really stood out for you in the Champions League, uh, apart from the uh, the poor old uh, uh, keeper that um, that gifted uh, Manchester United um, the uh, three points in that game? Well, I think over the, the week, the, the, the standout performance was Tottenham. Absolutely. Uh, the reigning yeah. champions of Europe. That was an incredible performance. And, I mean, we've been watching um, the progress of Spurs over the last few years and uh, 
they really are an exciting team and people were wondering how long this can last and what they can actually achieve. And they've fallen short um, a couple of times now in the Premier League of just going all the way. Uh, but uh, they're in the Champions League now and they really are looking like... Um, it, last season was terrible for them in the Champions League. Yeah. They hardly yeah. put up a fight, but this season their, their quality is starting to show and they are a good side and Pochettino has um, done a brilliant job there. Um, now they are threatening to be, become... Uh, a real deal in terms of European football and uh, that was certainly a statement and they've got to follow that up now because they could have come away from the Bernabeu with a victory there and mm. uh, you know Harry Kane is, is showing his quality this season again you know he's really people keep thinking because he's uh, I think it's because he's an English uh, striker that he's, he's, he can't do it on the uh, the ultimate stage well uh, his performance in the Bernabeu proves that he can and he's doing it season after season so um, Spurs was certainly the side that uh, that really stood out for me, their performance. Rob, um, before the Champions League started this year, did you have Tottenham... I mean, everybody would have said uh, Real Madrid is going to make it through to the next uh, the round of 16 without any problems. But did you have Tottenham over Borussia Dortmund going through? Because they've got a six-point uh, gap on them now. They really should They really should go on with it, shouldn't they? Um, Borussia Dortmund, a, 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 a team in transition. Um, there's, um, obviously, a few years ago, they were at the... Um, the height of their of their powers, and uh, but they've sold a few players now, and they're, and they're they're fighting their way back now. They were challenging for the Bundesliga title um, every season, but um, sort of fell a little bit behind the pace. I mean, Bayern would dominate so much, but uh, no, I, I didn't think that Spurs, you know, having their performances uh, in mind from the previous season, were going to be um, that far ahead of them at this stage, in the group stage, and uh, you know, it has been a surprise. It has been a surprise, but. Uh, Spurs are, are growing. The players are gaining more experience and uh, more confidence, and I think there's even more to come from Spurs now. And Rob, uh, a couple of the other highlight matches: uh, Manchester City uh, beat uh, Napoli at home to one, uh, and uh, the Manchester United uh, win. I mentioned uh, at, at the top of this segment. Poor old Millet Shvila, Benfica's 18-year-old goalkeeper. So Marcus Rashford, uh, just talk us through that one for those who didn't see it, the the the, uh, uh, the poor keeper stepping back across the line with the ball in his hands. Yeah, it's, it's one of those. It's one of those. You, know, you can't get away with it now with the goal line technology. Either. No, you know, so no. There's nowhere to hide if you're a goalkeeper. Uh, if you make that sort of gaff, I mean, uh, they were just dispatched with so much confidence. They were. Um, they were. They weren't even. If you looked at the game, they weren't even a, a match for Man United on the on the game. You wouldn't believe they were in the same competition together. It was, um, mm. it was a bad night. I mean, I feel for the goalkeeper as well because you know we all make mistakes, but when you're a goalkeeper, they just they become so much more important and so mm. much more obvious, and they're so you know they're highlighted and uh, yeah, your embarrassment is enhanced as a goalkeeper. Oh, yeah. So uh, that's why they say that uh, goalkeepers are a certain breed. They're all crazy mm. because uh, you know, <laughs> you know why would you want to be uh, that guy because. You never get the glory of scoring a goal, but you no. certainly get all the uh, all, all the, the criticism when the goals go in. Yeah, literally as well as figuratively, a rookie era, and of course the the you know that great game at Stamford Bridge, uh, three all Chelsea v Roma. That was uh, an absolute uh, cracker. Yeah, I mean, Chelsea. It, it's um it's an interesting thing at the moment with Chelsea because obviously the reigning English champions and uh, this season are difficult. They're uh, uh, dropping points when you wouldn't expect it. I mean, certainly at Crystal Palace at the weekend losing there. Uh, and then they went into this game, and they were expected to to, to, to win that. And it mm. was a, it was interestingly and surprisingly, it was a very very open game. Mm. Uh, you know, normally games against Italian sides aren't. You know, they're, they're very tactical and, and and very close. And 
But it was such an open game. Chelsea are the same because they've got an Italian manager in Antonio Conte. And last season, if you watch their performances, you know they, they didn't see many goals, and it was all very, very tight. And they would nick a goal with Diego Costa or whatever, and uh, mm. you know that's how they they went on to the title. But then um, it was very uncharacteristic, I would say, of both sides, but yeah. very, very entertaining. But good to watch, and uh, uh, of course, Lionel Messi's hundredth goal. But uh, we'll move on to the Premier League. This is Box to Box on NCS News Talk Sport. We're talking to Rob Tanner from the Leicester Mercury. Rob, uh, the big fixture from <clears throat> my perspective is Newcastle and Crystal Palace because Newcastle fl- are flying and Crystal Palace just seem to... Is there a spark of a comeback? Can the Hodgesauruses... What sort of magic can he weave down at uh, South London? Well, we always knew that Crystal Palace had decent players. And, you know, it was amazing that uh, the season they had, the start to the season they had, it was, um, it was so poor. And Frank de Boer obviously went, when we were talking about Shakespeare, how harsh that was after eight games. He went after four. Four. <laughs> and, uh, now Hodgson, yeah, four games. So now Hodgson's come in and, uh, you know, a completely different direction to Frank de Boer. Frank de Boer comes from the Dutch school of total football. And uh, Hodgson comes from pragmatic football, as we saw with England. You know, it's not very great to, to watch, but, you know, he gets you results. And, and he started to get results, and that's the key for them now. And there's a bit of glimmer of hope. And a lot of people are thinking now that they can get out of this mess and... That, you're right, that is a, a big game. But Newcastle have started the, the season very, very well as well. And uh, Rafa Benitez has done a great job. There's a lot of... Um, um, a lot of talk about the ownership of Newcastle. Yeah, the ownership. Yeah. And, yeah. Can you, what's the latest uh, on... Uh, it's Mike Ashley, the owner, and uh, what he wants to do? Yeah. Well, Mike has come out and said he wants to sell, finally. I mean, the Geordie fans have been wanting him to sell the club for, for years. But now he's come out and said he's open to offers. And uh, they want to get a deal done before before Christmas and there's a number of interested parties as you would because that is a massive football club uh, with a huge fan base I mean if you go up to Newcastle you you know everybody wears a black and white shirt you know walking around I mean even the winter when it's freezing cold they're famous for it they don't wear coats they wear (laughs) t-shirts and they're always black and white Um, so that you know football is I know it's a cliche but football is a religion up there so you know whoever takes over there has got already a massive fan base and and, uh, I just hope that the person that comes in though is a football person somebody that uh, you know, cherishes what the game's about and what it means to the people up there, not a businessman. Because we've seen so many times people coming in and they just think, they look at English football clubs now and they think they're cash cows. And if they have them and they can they can fleece them, they can make a mint out of them. Uh, but without really caring about what happens on the pitch, that won't wash up there. The Georgie fans won't uh, won't allow that to happen as they didn't with Mike Ashley. So mm. um, it'd be interesting to see what happens now. But I just hope it's the right people that take over that club. I'm picking the eyes out of a couple of the other fixtures. Uh, what do you make of uh, Watford's run? Um, if they can get a result against Chelsea uh, uh, away this weekend, um, you know they they consolidate that top four spot and and put a little gap between them and um, and the the rivals who are sitting one spot behind them on the ladder, mate. Well, Watford are really a strange anomaly because you know we always think the stability, uh, keeping a steady head, and the club being run you know, in a certain way with a manager there that's building season after season. It's the way forward with success. But they've they completely thrown that out the window because every year they seem to change managers. Every year they seem to change all the players. Uh, but they still continue to, 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 to be successful But this season. There's a few whisperings about them, whether they can do a Leicester. <laughs> and, um, you know, they've, they've, they've certainly looked decent uh, early on. Marcus Silva, who came in when Hull City were really doomed, but did an excellent job and almost... Uh, saving them but he didn't quite they've uh, brought him in 
and he's had an instant impact to the extent where some people are saying, you know, Leicester City might be interested in trying to snatch him away because his uh, reputation is growing that that much. So, um, yeah, they've been the real surprise package so far this season. And uh, I like Troy Deeney as a player. You know, he's a, he's a bit of a throwback to the old English centre forwards yeah. that we used to have. I mean, he went on. He was very candid and honest after the Arsenal game when he said he went on and he thought, right, I'm going to smack the first defender and I'll see how the rest react. And uh, <laughs> he did that, and they all sort of backed off him. And yeah. then I like his comments and, after uh, the game. He, he, he didn't miss um, in the aftermatch. Oh, exactly. I mean, in this in this age, all the the players are so media controlled these days. They mm. never say what they really mean. They never give you any quotes that you're not expecting. But Troy Dean is just an honest lad. Comes from my neck of the woods, Birmingham, and he just uh, says what he thinks, and uh, it's very very refreshing. Rob, we'll just we'll leave you with a question on uh, the the Monday night game or the Tuesday morning game for Optus Sport subscribers here in Australia is Tottenham and Liverpool. Um, it's a real opportunity for Tottenham to put a dagger in the heart of Liverpool fans, isn't it? Because a loss here for Liverpool uh, would be a disaster and uh, really put them back in the mire. Yeah, I think you know it's starting to be a little bit of um, in the media certainly a little bit of a, a, a growing sort of. Um, well, lack of patience now with Jurgen Klopp. I mean, Jurgen's sort of getting a bit uh, funny in his press conferences. I saw it myself when we, knew, we were in pre-season and we were in Hong Kong. He was reacting to certain questions in, in quite a, a bristling manner. Um, and, and their performances... I, I mean, I like watching Liverpool. I think their front three, Firmino, Coutinho and Salah, are so exciting to watch. At the back, it's where they, they look vulnerable at times and... Uh, he hasn't addressed that over the last couple of years. I mean, people have been saying, you know, if they can keep them out, then what a team they could be. But uh, and they can't at the moment. And um, I, I, those front three for me are, are up there with the most exciting to watch in the in the division. Um, but then you look at Spurs, and Spurs are the complete team at the moment. You know, defensively they're strong. They've got great midfield players. And then you've got Harry Kane at the top of it, who's uh, in in top top form. And uh, I can only really see out one outcome and the pressure mounting even more on Klopp. Rob Tanner, you have been very generous with your time for us tonight. Our man Dean Hennessy uh, and his uh, obligations as technical director at Pasco Vale Football Club has uh, uh, has had to take the night off, mate, and you've stepped in uh, brilliantly for him, mate, um, covering off the, uh, the the Champions League and the uh, and the Premier League for us, mate. So we're grateful for your time always, and we wish you luck for those foxes of yours, mate. Hopefully they can get that season back on track. And the Blue Noses. Don't forget he likes Thanks. the Blue Noses. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, they, well, they've got a new manager as well. It's all mm. a new dawn for them because they're in trouble as well. Oh, they certainly are. Good on you, Rob. We'll talk to you next time. Cheers. Stick around. Thank you. Yeah, as always, mate, it's fantastic. Uh, stick around after the break. Stoppage time. Box to box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport on digital radio streaming on the World Wide Web and, of course, our podcast, boxtoboxntscomau Now, the fourth official signals it's the extended play of uh, stoppage time. Ten it's minutes good. we've got. But it's good get we're nasty. Gonna, we're going to get started with some gold, or should I say some pink, because it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month this month in October, and you'll see uh, if you've got your uh, eyes open all around this great country of ours that businesses are supporting the uh, the cause, and Storage King are certainly one of those businesses because they are right behind the McGrath Foundation as they are every single year. So what you want to do is to get down to Storage King. That's uh, your local Storage King. If you 
don't know where it is, get onto storageking.com.au and you'll find one of the locations nearby to you or call 1-800-STORAGE. That's 1-800-100-700 because a dollar from every THS box and the THS box, if you're not familiar with it, is just your handy size box that just about takes everything that you need to pack when you're moving or shifting or renting or whatever you're doing. It's going to be donated to the McGrath Foundation. So throughout the month of October, a dollar from every THS box sold will be donated to the McGrath Foundation. So get on down to your local Storage King. If you don't know where it is, as I said, get to the website or call 1-800-STORAGE. That's 1-800-100-700. Now, Michael, what do you have for us? Well, I just thought that the Sydney FC uh, groundsmen and uh, team, all the commercial guys there, have Mm. been raiding their Storage King uh, facility because mm-hmm. they've had to get some extra signs because yes. they've signed a new principal sponsor that's going to. Wear I, the front I noticed of the shirt. that they did play um, with a blank front of their shirt uh, they until had, now. Uh, but uh, on the eve of the big derby, they've announced that the Star mm-hmm. Casino in Sydney has become their major partner and will be donning the front of the shirt. So they're mm-hmm. busily they're busily raiding the Storage King uh, facility to get some extra signs so they can mm-hmm. uh, get some uh, some stuff plastered around Allianz for the big derby this week. So. Um, the the drought uh, they obviously have done a good job there that's a very good uh, brand that, that is a good sign to associate with yeah. uh, whether you like gambling or not doesn't really matter I'm sure that's mm. uh, worth a pretty penny and uh, and uh, I know that uh, Scott Barlow the chairman mm-hmm. and representative of the owner uh, will be very happy that there'll be some incoming cash mm. cashola Mark well speaking of cash boys mm. of course FIFA have kicked in for our mm. uh, trip to Honduras and back. So 600k has gone in for ourselves. I think New Zealand and one other country escapes me. Mm. But what about uh, Honduras? Do they get any money? I think they get some money too. So, yeah, they um, tried to get a charter flight to Honduras, but I understand it's fallen through. Yeah, so they're poor as shit. So unfortunately, no, nothing mm. for them. Uh, but um, no, so 190k, which I'm pretty sure would be welcomed at Whitlam Square, and probably would that pay for the flight? I'm being serious. No, no, no the flight would be very expensive. Half a mil. Yeah, at least. Yeah. Okay. Well, now, is this... Who's, is this who's a, to know? Qantas uh, takes their responsibilities quite seriously. I know they, they mm. probably, you know, I'd imagine that uh, when the people from the Federation reached out to Qantas, the Qantas, you would expect um, them to probably help out mm. to a certain extent, at least not paying for it. But, but is this um, part of the course with FIFA? I don't recall. No, um, this is a new development. Yeah, no. It, and, and I think it's just uh, from the point of view that these intercontinental playoffs really pit people from all, all different parts of the world. What yeah. an onerous task. I mean, you, you heard the comments from um, from uh, Hud- no, Huddersfield Town's Huddersfield. Uh, coach, and mm-hmm. uh, you heard the comments from Brighton's coach. Um, Brighton's coach in particular was glowing in the response to the mm-hmm. way Matthew Ryan mm-hmm. was oh, able how to... How well did he play on yeah, the weekend? Yeah. But, but, Amazing stuff. But he, he, the, the coach basically made um, comment of how he prepared himself, considering yeah, what he'd yeah. been through mm-hmm. with the travel, and, and mm-hmm. so did the Hertha Berlin manager, and t- talking about Matthew Leckie, mm-hmm. who did a power of work um, mm-hmm. across both games, and then went back and played an important and role took a in, knee. in their match. Yeah, um, did you notice that? They, well, he uh, actually didn't start that game, so mm. he, he took a knee on the on the sideline, but yeah. not uh, yeah. But not for, in, for those yeah. of our listeners who are not familiar with the story, most of them would be well and truly familiar with the American NFL football. And uh, and uh, what's the name of the president of America, uh, Mark? Uh, China. Ah, yeah. China. Yeah. China. So, so we had the controversy. Donald that Trump. Yes. He set up uh, around the uh, Colin Kaepernick uh, led in 
what initiative? That's probably better words to describe yeah. it than that. But uh, but players. Um, it was an entire for, for, Bundesliga team on the weekend. Yeah, was that it, was what we were talking was it about. Yeah, 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 the Berlin. Yeah, <laughs> isn't it good? Um, one of the things I really. Pay attention. But yeah, I mean, stop no, I was asking. Phone, no, yeah. you said Matt Ryan. I was yeah. saying. Was it? <laughs> yeah, the irony yeah, is he delicious at, with that one. He was looking at his phone, <laughs> listeners, while we were talking about it. While Michael and I were discussing that very thing, and then he's launched in with the scoop. Uh, in stoppage time. No, he mentioned that Matt had sat during Hertha Berlin's. I didn't realise it the whole. Don't time. they usually say when you're anyway. in a hole, stop digging? Yes. Yeah, that's what they usually All right. say. Keep going. Okay. No, Mark, can I just just I want to ask yes. Mark a question because one of the just to see what he what he feels about this. One of the great things about following the Socceroos and the clubs they play play at is you, you do get to learn about new clubs. I mean, mm. I hadn't really taken a lot of interest in Hertha Berlin until mm. Matt Leckie played there, but when you actually learn the history of that yeah. club and where they play and yeah. what they stand for, it is a pretty amazing club. Yeah. And uh, that's one of the great things. Obviously, Aaron Moy at Huddersfield yes. Town. I mean. Um, that's a, a famous old club in, in England, but we, we obviously got to know them better. Mm, mm. Um, so yeah, I, I, I do think that is one of the great uh, one of the great aspects of following the soccer. And, and I th- it's it's probably one of uh, also those you know advantages of the modern era, where if you're interested, you can find out a stack. I mean, I just love getting on to uh, uh, you know our favourite news source, Wikipedia, to find out <laughs> a bit of information. But not just Wikipedia, right. of course. But uh, no, but but just to, to find out a bit more. It's just so easy yeah, these the days. The point Mike makes out. is so it's so true because even going back to the Leeds days, yeah. Leeds still has a massive following in yeah. Australia purely because, because of, of yeah, Kuehl right. and Viduka. Yeah. Well, speaking of Harry Kuehl, I was looking at Crawley Town. They uh, um, they're in trouble. No, they're not. They, they, they lost. They're eighteenth. No, they're not eighteenth. Yes, they, they are. No, they're not. You better double check this. Better look at your phone. Around mid table on thirteen points, they lost. They lost um, in the midweek two nil. But but Harry's going okay. So uh, you're a big fan of Harry's uh, coaching exploits. Aren't I've you? already told you the prediction. Thirty Despite years time, he'll be the first Australian it. coach to um, take us to uh, the semi-finals of the World Cup when he's uh, in his 60s or something late 60s that'll be he'll be the he'll be the wuss hitting of Australia boys the um, FFA had to obviously uh, rearrange uh, or, or the AFC did when the Australian government decided to decline the North Korean visas to attend mm. the Under-19 Championships, which Shepparton lost, which is mm. really quite sad for Shepparton. The FFA obviously mm. acknowledges the right of the government to do that, and why wouldn't they? Mm. But interesting to note that uh, the squad was announced for the young Socceroos who are heading off to the Under-19 Championship, which is also um, the uh, World Cup qualification matches, or the first phase of them. Um Every single player in the squad bar one comes from uh, A-League development. Uh, bar two, I should say. There's two uncontracted boys in the in the squad. Every other player comes from the A-League, um, which in years gone by wouldn't have been the case. Mm. I just wanted to make that point. No, that's a mark. You were going to no, say I'd like there. to correct myself. Yes, Crawley Town on 19th in, Thank you. in League <laughs> Two. Not sounds bad, but there's 24 teams, exactly. so they're, they're at three and points above. And how many points are they on? Yeah. They're on 14 points yes. after 14 games, which is not fantastic. No, but it's... But, it's, uh, it's, it's that's all right. They're, no, it's better they're than the way they were going. three points above Port Vale in the drop zone. And there's so, one thing so. that hasn't changed in uh, in Australian football, is that the makeup of the team sounds very familiar. Let's just read some of these names that are in the under-19 squads. Hazanovski. Uh, Dragosevic, Freak, Gennaro, Grozos, Italiano... Um, the, the, Najar, uh, Pieris, John Roberts. There is the odd <laughs> one, but uh, you know, isn't that great? We love our game for those reasons. That's what football's yeah. all about, Rob. Very much. much. Time? No, no, no. We've, um, much we're, time to fill. <laughs> no, we're not filling anything <laughs> at all. We've just got uh, a little bit of gold. But um, have you been to an A League match this year? 
Ah, uh, I haven't. Two grains in. That's that's. I think that's I'm a, a South Melbourne fan. It's okay. almost a sacking offence. I'm a South yeah. Melbourne fan. Yeah. Well, South Melbourne in the A-League? Did you go to that game, South Melbourne and Sydney? I was very ill. Oh, you were very ill. I, I thought was it was very a bit cold no, for you, wasn't it? No, don't you had me, been don't banging issue, on. Heidelberg twat. You had been Listen, banging on about your club I going down there. I wanted to be there more than to be anything there with else, dirt, and dirt, I fought dirt, with my wife. I fought with my wife, and she said, no, you can't go because you've been in bed for three days. To be honest... We know he wears Last the pants week, in that relationship. No, if you listen that. to my podcast, I was in bed four of the last five days. I was mm. not in good shape last mm. week. Haven't been in good shape for a long time, but uh, mm. no, I was in bad shape, so I didn't go. Well, I think you should send him off and to the with we Kevin Pollard. But we were in it. We were in it, it, Michael. It should have been 2 2. As a, yeah, well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> as assistant. I'm not, I wouldn't do that to Kevin. No, assistant tour leader. <laughs> Let it go down. Honduras wouldn't know what hit him. Fair dinkum. All right, boys. Imagine the players in the plane on the way home. They walk down the back and see Mark. (laughs) They're like, Jesus, who let him on? You were one of those uh, blue and white stripes with the big Honduras H. That is full time (laughs) on Box to Box. Join us next week when we go from one end of the pitch to the other, previewing the Socceroos heading to Honduras in the World Cup.